This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I started tattooing when I was 19 in order to like have enough money to buy a burrito at the end of each day and and feed myself. In terms of celebrity, you've tattooed some of the biggest names. I think you tattooed like what, Howard Stern, Heath Ledger. As soon as fear is in the room, as soon as the awareness of your audience is in the studio with you guiding your hand, it's done. So I'm not selling artwork, I'm selling hours in my chair. And that's all you're getting is just bragging rights and an Instagram post. So what I wanna do is, Every month, I'm going to release these 10 designs as an NFT. And if you own that, then you can come get it tattooed by me. I'm shifting the value from the application process to the image itself. And if I can do that, everything changes in the tattoo world. So my guest today, I wanted to talk to about a few things. One is his story is interesting. Also, there's this new thing called NFTs, which is a craze, which even you, Tony, have talked to me about, like, oh, have you bought any NFTs? And I've kind of been pretty skeptical of them. It could be just the way I've received the information, but a lot of people are investing in it. A lot of people are making money. And Scott is an interesting artist. So Scott Campbell, thank you for coming on Always Evolving. Thanks for having me. We're always evolving. Always. We never fucking stop evolving, do we? <laughs> Every day. Well, the world keeps changing, so we got to keep changing to keep Grow up. Grow or go, or hide out in a bunker and be terrified of this thing we call life, <laughs> right? So you're 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 from Brooklyn, and kind of your cred in terms of popularity is you have had a lot of successful art exhibitions. In terms of celebrity, you've tattooed some of the biggest names. I think you tattooed like what? Howard Stern, Heath Ledger. Yeah. Uh, Robert Downey. Like, uh, yeah. All these different. Justin Thoreau. Yeah. He's, he's one of like my oldest friends. I, I toss him out there because I was like, oh, yeah, I got to mention. And that. a lot of people want to work with celebrity and you've tattooed so many. Why do you think they came to you? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've, you know, like, I think I've. I've tattooed the whole spectrum of humanity, you know, from, you know, biker scumbags to, you know, Jennifer Aniston and everything in between. So I, I think it's, you know, I, I I like to think people come to me, you know, because they appreciate what I do or have seen work on other people. But yeah, it, it's really, it's the whole spectrum of of humanity and celebrity is, you know, like a portion of that. Isn't it interesting that there's value placed on celebrity and culture because oh, it, celeb- the currency of celebrity is insane. I mean, insane. as of someone who like has two kids in Los Angeles, it's something I'm really like sensitive to, you know what I mean? And like, how much of that do I want them to be aware of? And like, 
Yeah, you know, because they go to school and they're like, oh, that's such and such as kid. And I'm just like, I hate that that changes that kid's, per you know, like, anyway, yeah, that's, I don't know, it might be another podcast. No, no, I mean, it is interesting, though, because there is this idea. There's a few things. It used to be if you were on TV, you were the best, right? Back in the day, it was like, right. as seen on this TV show. Right. And then it's kind of morphed over time, and especially in the service profession, whether you're doing tattoos or you're a life coach or you're giving facials or yeah. nails, it's when you people go, oh, they did so-and-so, the currency of doing somebody, quote, famous would somehow imply you're the best. I mean, I think, I don't know. I mean, I, I think of it as... I mean, celebrity in general and the concept of celebrity, you know, people being on TV, you know, the the power in that is that you have a giant audience that has an emotional collect connection with this person, you know? So it's like mm. this person has the trust of millions of people, you know, even though they've never met them in person, like through the screen, through whatever interaction, through interviews, you know, people trust this person. And that trust is like powerful, you know? And so then, you know, yeah, obviously there's, brands and stuff that rub up against that but they you know they become like these these really powerful voices just because uh, you know the whole world is emotionally invested in them and do you find that do you ever get um because you seem really optimistic yeah and I mean, yeah. and none of it i got out no. of bed this morning thinking everything's gonna be okay. yeah you live yeah. in you live in pasadena you don't yeah. seem jaded what is the key to not getting jaded by working so much in hollywood or la do you think oh i don't know i mean it's i don't think i have any like hollywood specific tricks um you know but yeah i mean i think anyone who makes headway in this world you know you have to be an optimist to keep trying things you know i mean it's like we're here you know like usually i get interviewed about the things in my life that were successes but you know for every success there's you know nine failures, you know? And so it's just having the optimism and being like, it's gonna work this time. Like, this is gonna be great, you know? And, and kind of keep putting stuff out there. And, you know, some of it sticks, some of it doesn't. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. What was one of those failures you had that was the hardest to kind of dig out of? Oof. Um... Uh, let's see. Professionally, I'm assuming we're talking about not, not like up to um, you. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, okay. I mean, the art world in general, you know, like I is interesting, you know, so I, I started tattooing when I was 19. Like that was it. I started tattooing just in order to like have enough money to buy a burrito at the end of each day and, and feed myself and, you know, and then kind of gain momentum in that and gain notoriety and, you know, it went from pursuing survival to pursuing inspiration and getting excited about it. And I was like, oh, like this could, you know, tattooing can give me freedom, you know, and I really love the freedom of the lifestyle. And then I traveled a lot and I got to New York City and really fell in love with New York and the momentum of it and the stimulus. 
and, you know, very quickly fell in with this community of artists, you know, downtown New York in like the late 90s, early 2000s. It was like a really cool time to to be a part of this creative community. And, you know, I saw these fine artists and um, I I was like, oh, that's freedom. You know, like being a fine artist is freedom because you just get to go to your studio every day and and follow your creativity. And and that's your currency. And I did that for a while. And it was, I was really fortunate in that, like, you know, made more, you know, financially it was very successful and, you know, got some recognition, but I realized that like, I don't know, I, I got really kind of disenchanted with the art world as far as, um, a career goes, you know, because it, it very quickly got into a position where I I had like studio assistants and rent and all this overhead. And it's like, oh, I have to like- Run it like a business. I have to run it like a business. You know what I mean? It's like, I have to sell out every show I have or I can't afford to like keep this machine going. And it sucked, you know? And then and then you you kind of, you know, I built up this kind of- And then, and then it's, it may be just to jump in there. Yeah. Especially with art, there is, it's very difficult. I mean, there's, there's always the- a small niche that gets, they're so appreciated and they do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. But a lot when you're building is what does the consumer want? For sure. Because you're trying to sell your show. And so you can make it, all the art you want. But it's also like once, yeah, as soon as fear is in the room, as soon as the awareness of your audience is in the studio with you, guiding your hand, it's done, you know? And, and so that was like a really hard environment for me to work in. I also kind of got disenchanted with, the idea that the art world determined my value, you know, like the secondary market determined my value. Like I would sell artwork and, you know, it had to go to auction. If it went to auction, it had to sell for a certain price because if it didn't fetch a certain price, then that like, you know, signaled that the, you know, the, it, my work wasn't safe to invest in. And so, you know, like, and I was, you know, there was like a, a couple big, you know, families of collectors that supported my work and they, you know, they made sure it sold for whatever it needed to. But, but all of a sudden I become like beholden to these collectors because they determined like the value of my whole world. And uh, yeah, you know, it's like, I, I just found myself on, like there's a big Swiss family that, you know, owned so much of my work that if, you know, if they decided to start selling my work, every it would, it would be detrimental to my momentum. And, you know, I found myself on my, on a plane to Zurich to go to some kid's bat mitzvah that I didn't really care about. And I was just like, I'm just like this family's pet artist, you know, anyway. So, so I got really <laughs> disenchanted with it and was like, fuck it, I'm done, you know? And, and I'm not to say that like, that's example of a failure, but it's an example of something where it's like, I thought that was, you know, where I needed to go and I needed to, and then I course corrected, you know? And I was that like, okay, scary. yeah, like I don't feel right. Even though like on paper, that's supposed to be what I, every artist wants, you know? And, and I was like, no, it's not, it doesn't feel right. And then I kind of, you know. And at that point, how much was your art going for? Like a, a I mean, commission I, piece? Commission pieces were like between 10 and a hundred grand, you know, which for a, you know, scumbag kid from Louisiana, it's a, that's a lot. That's more than I ever thought I would get, you right. know? Um, and then I kind of, you know, came back to New York. I really had like, you know, as, as most people say, like having kids changed everything. You know, I, I remember I was really, my wife at the time was pregnant and you know, I was going through a bunch of anxiety where it's like, oh, I'm going to have this kid. And then, you know, like the financial pressures that I'm feeling 
will be amplified because now I have to like provide for this kid. And, you know, I was like, my, I, I, I assumed my life would be divided into two parts, you know, and my work would be divided into parts where you'd be like, okay, this is the quality of the work I made before I was a dad. And then this is what I made after what I was a dad, because, you know, like, and, and honestly, like I wanted to, I wanted to be a dad so much that I accepted the con. I was like, okay, cool. You know what I mean? Like if everything I make from now on is going to be diluted and like commercial, fine. I just want to feel what it feels like to love a child, you know? And, but I remember it was like a month before my daughter was born. I woke up from a dream where my, I dreamt that I had died before she was born. And, and there was like this 12 year old girl going through my studio, like looking through all the stuff in my studio, trying to get to know her dad. And, and I, I woke up from that dream and I was like, I don't give a fuck about money. I was like, I'm never making anything I'm not proud of again. You know, it was like anything that, that I make, like that little mm. girl has to look at me like my dad made that. And so it was really interesting, you know, that like, yes, having a child put more pressure on my work, but it went the opposite direction. It wasn't about financial pressure. It was about, it had to have integrity. Well, yeah. it redefined your purpose. Yeah. Like I had a reason, you know, and, um, and that felt really good. And I kind of broke up with all my, the galleries I was working with at the time. And I was like, you guys can do whatever you want. I don't care. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not making what you want me to make anymore. And, and yeah. And, you know, and then of course the irony is since that moment I've made 10 times the money I made in my life before that. That's awesome. I just want to say this. I love what you said. I just wouldn't know. I just want to know what it feels like to love a child. Oh, oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Like that. I don't know why that just caught my ear. And because I'm like, you want to have a yeah, kid. I know. Well, yeah, of course. But that's it. so sweet to hear from a man. Usually like yeah. you would hear that from a woman. But no, for, I have, to hear I'll from give a man, you my, like, my spiel on like childhood. And I've told this to like a few friends, you know, who were like on the fence, you know, like in, in thinking about having kids, like having kids is scary. But the thing that's scary about having kids is not lack of sleep. It's not dirty diapers. The thing that's scary about having kids is loving something so immensely that they're more important than you. You know what I mean? Like, like loving something that is vulnerable and loving like that magnitude of love is fucking scary. And, you know, it's like, so you make a decision. You're like, okay, do I, in the time I'm on this earth, do I want to know what that feels like? Yes or no. You know? And if you're like, yes, I do. Then it's like, okay, cool. Well, I want to be as young as possible when I do that. And like, that's today, you know? So like that was in like me trying to figure out, you know, like, you know, do I want to have kids or do I not? It was like, as soon as I decided like, yeah, I do want to feel that. And if it's like, you know, it's higher highs, it's lower lows, it's fucking harder, it's inconvenient, but like, I want to, I want to do it. Um, then it's like, all right, well, I got to do it right now. Yeah. And so, yeah. Well, I think the problem though, is a lot of people don't uh, have that mentality. Right. So yeah. I think, I think, um, there's the people who, uh, there, there's a lot of different reasons why people have kids. A thousand percent. And yeah. I think a lot of kids yearn for, uh, someone to love them as much as you love your kids. Right. I wouldn't say, at least in the work that I do, yeah, yeah. that, that is the predominant. For sure. Um, no, for sure. You know, there's, there's, it's, it's unfortunate, you yeah. know? But I'm no, I mean, sure I, I, yeah, I mean, I had kids late enough in life that it was, you know, thought out and deliberate yeah. and intentional. It, it wasn't like a, a phone call where it's like, oh, I'm a dad. But you, you said know, like you a, don't want your kids to hate you when they turn 18. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. I want. I want. I want to like. Why would they? I would, cause I don't know. I mean, did I, you like your parents at eighteen? Um, my mom died when I was a kid, but my dad. Yeah, I mean, I kind of really. I, I grew up in an environment that I felt like I had to push. I had to push against it a lot in order to feel like I was my own person, you mm-hmm. know. And I guess I, I really want to give my kids an environment where they feel like they can, they can decide who they want to be, without having to fight against me to do that. You know what I mean? Like I really want to give them enough space so that they can feel like they are their own person. And you know, because I, I was in a situation where, yeah, like I felt like I had to like destroy everything around me in order to prove that I was independent, you know? Mm. Um, and then you recently got divorced. Yeah. So then that's obviously as a parent makes it more challenging. It does. Yeah. And you know, like, and yeah, I mean, we did the full, like, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow conscious uncoupling program. And, um, and, and yeah, I mean, I'm really, it really, I'm really proud of like, my divorce, you know what I mean? Like we, we have a really great situation and we really, you know, as a veteran, like I take my role as a dad really seriously. And how old are your kids? Seven and four. And, uh, you know, a lot of people say like, oh, we're splitting up, but like, you know, the kids come first, but like putting the kids first takes a lot of energy. You know I mean? We like my ex and I really do put them first and we're so protective of their environment. I mean, we still do therapy together every two weeks to like talk about the kids and check in and like, how are you doing? How are you like, so, but I, I fully, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the way we've navigated divorce, but I fully like sympathize and I don't judge people who handle it differently. Cause it like, it takes a lot of fucking time and money to do it right. You know what I mean? It's like, there's so much time for so therapy, all of it. Yeah. Like to have, to have the space and, and money to like consider everything. And whereas like, you know, if like, if I was a waiter in a restaurant, like I'd just be surviving so much and like my kid's world would suffer for that. And, but yeah, but we're, we're, we're in a good place. So you, you do a lot of our exhibitions. Like you did one, what was it called? Glory hole? Yeah, the whole glory. Yeah. Whole, whole glory. Not that kind, Tony. But glory like, oh, yeah. yeah. That's where my mind quickly went. I yeah, was yeah, like, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> but basically that, where you would, people would get tattoos that have no idea what they were going to get, but they wanted to get tattooed by legendary tattoo artists or, right. and were any of them not legendary? And you, did you get to choose your artist? Um, it was just me. I was the only tattoo artist doing it. Yeah, I did all the tattoos. It was just um, me behind a wall and and yeah, and just like a, a line of anonymous arms coming through there. Did it were any of them unhappy? Um, they didn't tell me if they were, but it, it, it's you know, like in the moment, everybody was thrilled, you know. And it, it's of course that's like you know when I yeah, when I explain people you're that, doing performance art, it's a moment, it's a thing, yeah, it's, a vibe. it's exciting, yeah. Right. But I mean, who knows? You, you know, we could do like a "Where Are They Now?" episode and like follow up, you know. Three years later, is be like, really? How it's do you feel about with it? a butterfly? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, um, but it's really, it was really, uh, yeah. I mean, that was a super interesting dynamic, you know, because like I've always, you know, like I, I'm, I'm always trying to like be more free in my work and like career and everything. And you know, with tattooing, I love tattoo. My hands can tattoo better than they can do anything else. And but you always have this canvas that has a say in what you do. You know, and so in in carving up people's arms, I was like, man, wouldn't it be cool if I could tattoo someone's arm with the same freedom that I would paint on a canvas, you know? And uh, and so in in that fantasy, 
I was like, what if I just do it? You know, somebody just sticks their arm through a hole and I do whatever I want. And you didn't even see them in advance. No, they nothing. Look like nothing. nothing. What was the idea of it, though, as far as like they just they wanted to be part of the show, obviously. Like they, they just wanted a tattoo just in general, just from yeah, you. I mean, or? I, don't know. I mean, you know, it's like my ego would love to think that it's just because I'm good at what I do and they mm-hmm. trust me, but maybe people just, you know, did they have to pay? Maybe there's maybe there's cheap and they wanted a free tattoo. Oh, it was a free yeah. tattoo. Yeah, it was all free. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, but but it was like, you know, I mean, yeah. Would I mean, you know in advance or would you see the arm and you're like, that hairy arm needs No, I wouldn't know. It was like a, a raffle. Forest. So there was like, you know, three, 400 people showed up and we had to like draw a name every hour. But, you know, like I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to tattoo 10 people today. I'll lay out 10 designs, you know, one through 10. Okay, give me the first one. I'll do it. So like the first one comes through, you know, I shave their arm. I take design number one and I'd look at the arm and be like, no it doesn't feel right. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't the right thing. And then I'd like come up with something else on the spot. And like every time I tried to plan ahead, uh, the arm would get there and I'd be like, no, this one needs something different. So it's like, it's interesting that like, you know, whatever kind of subliminal communication there is just from like holding someone's arm and touching them, you know, you still, you still gather information, you know, you still get something from them. And then, yeah, and it was super interesting. So, you know, from their side, it kind of, it was like, so like I would have a dinner at the end of it. So like at the end of, you know, three days tattooing 30 people, you know, I'd have a dinner and invite them all and just be like, thanks, you know? And like, it'd be a cool way for like them to meet each other and talk about what it was. And so I'm having dinner with all these people and they all have these fresh tattoos and almost every single one at some point would come up to me and like pull me aside and just be like, Hey man, I just want to say thanks. Cause like, obviously I got the best one. And, and it was like, <laughs> it was so interesting how like, it was almost like it almost had like a horoscope kind of effect, you know, where like you read a horoscope and you're like, fuck, that's so me. You know what I mean? But I would tattoo these people and I'd put the tattoo on them and they pull out. He's like, how did you know this is exactly like who I am? You know, and it's like, but it's like reading a horoscope where it's like, well, were you that before you read it or are you that now because or, you read or, it? Or like, do you have a really good job of acceptance? Totally, yeah. You know, like, you know, I think I, you have to have an amazing job of acceptance yeah, that's to buy into and be like, the universe and God delivered me this. This is yeah, it. Yeah. This tough. wooden table on my arm. Oh my God, how do you know? I yeah. grew up with a wooden yeah. table. Yeah, I'm totally. I'm very curious if he saw my arm, if he would be like, ooh, get like well, a sense I'm of what cur- I would, because I have no Tattoos. So you've been coming to me talking. You keep saying to me, Tony, because you know I invest in different things. You keep mm-hmm. bringing up NFTs to me. Yeah. And right. our friend Tom Billu, he uh, has impact there. He created Quest Bar. Yeah. Uh, he's has a huge, you know, interest in NFTs. And um, and I'm kind of even though I c- collect art and I'm for the arts, part of my hesitation has been price manipulation i should say in the right. art world where i typically just buy shit i really like right right and with nfts there's kind of this idea of investment behind it right uh, to me at least and yeah. maybe as i was watching some of your videos this morning i was thinking oh maybe i need to look at it differently and look at it as owning the rights to something that i love yeah that i get to have yeah but not all NFTs, you can necessarily own the rights to it in every way, right? Correct. Yeah. So it's, help me. So, okay. So the best, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you, you know what I mean? Like I've, part of what I love about tattooing is that it's, it's, it only has emotional value. You know what I mean? There's no resale value. You know, like the, the cultural impact of it is that like, it's special, it's custom tailored for this person. It's emotional, but yeah. So NFTs, 
And explain I, what NFTs are for people listening, because right. I think some people- I mean, non-fungible tokens. So an, an NFT, so when the internet was born, you know, it was all about everyone having access to everything. It was about like extreme openness. So like you can find anything, you can have anything, you can access anything, you can download anything, any image, all of that. So that's the, that's the world we've lived in for a long time. So in that environment, nothing is unique anymore. You know, there's, there's no unique things on the internet. And the NFT is basically just a mechanism that allows a thing to be unique. They're going to, they're going to be like this file, there is only one of them, you know, and, and that's basically it. You know, it just, it just, it's just a way of authenticating. Like this is the only one of this kind. And and that file could be an image. It could be a video. Totally. Yeah. But the NFT itself there's different types of deals within that NFT. Totally. And that's up to the artist. You know, right. the artist can write the, the digital contract and define it however they want. The best analogy I've kind of come up with is like NFTs are like digital baseball cards. Mm-hmm. You know, like like you could have like a Mickey Mantle rookie card and you'd be like, oh, check it out. You know, like I paid 10 grand for this. And people were like, but you could just photocopy it. You know what I mean? Or you could just like, you could just replicate it. You could do it. You were like, yeah, but then it's not the original Mickey Mantle, you know, that like came from tops in that year. And, you know, NFTs are kind of the same thing. Cause it was like, oh, you could just screen grab it. You could do this. So you're like, yeah, but then it's not the thing, you know, from the artist. And it's like, it's not traceable back to the artist. And it's not, you know, it's like whether or not, you know, you subscribe to the, the value of that. I mean, basically it's like anything that has emotional value to people, like, can become an NFT. You know what I mean? It's like, and that's why like moments in sports and everything are becoming a big thing because it's, they are like digital sports cards. Can you take, can like say if I wanted to make an NFT, can I like, just, this is an example, yeah. like take a photo of myself and like do some like really cool animation on it, like on, uh, edit totally, it yeah. and then just make that an NFT? Yeah. In the same way that like you could make your own baseball card, you know, you'd be, you could be like, oh, this is like, Jimmy Two Shoes, you know what I mean? Like who plays for Pasadena Little League. This is, it's right. fine. And it's, you know, like, but the value, it's not like because it's an NFT, it has value. Things only have value if people want it. You know what I mean? It's like the the value of a baseball card is only in the cultural relevance of the player that licenses it, you know? Yeah. And so it's crazy that you say that because what, two years ago, three years ago, Pokemon cards were just Pokemon cards. If right. you had them, you had them. Yeah. But Logan Paul came in, you know, right. made, started buying them for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of dollars to where it gave it so much value that everyone was like, well, I want one. If he wants one so bad, yeah, I want one. He put value on it yeah, totally, to where yeah. Pokemon cards went up to like thousands of dollars if you still had yours. But they're not NFTs. They're not really? NFTs, but it no. just, it's, it's. Yeah, but just talk about like collectible cards. cards. Like I get, I get, I'm on this community text um, with Gary V who, um, I guess is really into NFTs. He'll text about his NFTs. Right. And as a consumer, I'm like, why would I buy your NFT, Gary V? Right. And then I, I'm also like, you're just selling me on a product that you think I should buy. Like, I guess where I'm getting the, um, and I sign up for it just to see how people are communicating right. with their audiences. Yeah. Like I've thought if I have an NFT, Let's say my, yeah. my whole thing's wizard, right? So I have like wizards on my house, wizards on my arm. It's my brand is a wizard. I love yeah. fucking wizards. I love Magic the Gathering. I'm very good at it. I have yeah. tournaments. I play second once nice. in the California regionals. Amazing. Yeah. It lost to Johnny U in the finals. Uh, he had all of his little trolls out there and it was 
uh, over from that point. He yelled for the judge. I was scared. I was nervous. I didn't bring my A game. However, if I wanted to do an NFT, and part of it for me is I don't, and this sounds crazy, I don't want to make money on it. Right. But I would want to create it so people can make money somehow. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't care. Like, I wonder if there's a the, part of the, it's almost like art manipulation to me in a sense. Right. With like big buyers and big families. And then with the NFT world, it's like, oh, that's the value of that because people really want it. Right. And, that's, and I'm but- trying to wrap my head around that. Uh, like in a, in a way, there's NFTs that's just investment. Yeah. And then there's NFTs because you love it. But don't think you're investing. Like when you say Tell investing me. in NFTs, yeah, you're not investing in the concept of NFTs. You're investing in the cultural relevance of whatever, of whoever issued that NFT. You know what I mean? It's like, like if you buy a Mickey Mantle baseball or I don't fucking know you know like if you buy a Michael Jordan you know card now it's like you're not investing I mean you are partially investing in the concept of sports cards but you're more investing and you're like I think Michael Jordan is still going to do things that are going to make this more valuable in the next 10 years Mm. you know and and so you're yeah you can say you're investing in the concept of nfts but really you're investing in the cultural relevance of whatever is backing that nft or whatever that nft represents nft is just a mechanism of making something one of a kind or a thousand of a, you know what i mean like it's an authentication how many nfts that, have you put out there in the world none we're Zero. launching in yeah like six weeks i mean and i'll okay like i'll explain it to you why in my because i'm I, I haven't made it my life mission to defend digital artwork but for me specific <laughs> you know what I mean? it's not like it's my i'm not that guy but for me and for a group of tattoo artists who are in similar positions to me the mechanism of nft solves a lot of problems that i've struggled with my whole career which is my cultural impact and my cultural influence is immense. You know, like I'm doing tattoos that like some of the most brilliant creative people in the world are paying attention to, like, you know, lots of big art collectors like fly around the world to get tattooed by me. Like my cultural relevance is huge. What I'm actually selling to people is is like, you know, so like I'll create original artwork and I'll charge you by how many hours it takes for me to apply that artwork to your arm. So I'm not selling artwork, I'm selling hours in my chair. You know, like I'm all I'm charging for is the application process. And that's all you're getting is just bragging rights and an Instagram post. So what I want to do is I want to like me and a couple of tattoo artists who are, you know, in my opinion, the most influential tattooers in the world. We're all kind of as a collective, just be like, I'm going to change the way I work. Like now every month I'm going to release these 10 designs as an NFT, as a unique asset that, that has value. And I'll sell you that NFT. And if you own that, then you can come get it tattooed by me. And in that mechanism, the value is I'm shifting the value from the process, the application process to the image itself. And if I can do that, everything changes in the tattoo world. Yeah. Um, because then it's like, I'm selling I'm selling designs, not hours of my life. Now, can they do whatever they want with that design? Do whatever they want. Got You it. know, like they can come, get, well, no, they don't have, they can't like make t-shirts and mugs out of they it. They can't. They don't, yeah, it's not licensing right. You own that asset. Like you own that, you know, in the same way, like if you own that Mickey Mantle baseball card, you can't like start making Mickey Mantle merch just because you own that card. Right. But you have 
a one of a kind thing. You know what I mean? Like for so. So how much will those sell for? Like when I don't know. They'll be you, you know no auctioned idea. off. Yeah, we'll just auction ten each. It'll be an auction. Yeah. That's pretty dope, though. I like that. Like, if you have, if you own this NFT, you can get it like tattooed. You can get it by tattooed, me. yeah. Because that shifts the emphasis to like the design, like yeah. the thing. And if you, and they're just, because I have special. tattoo fans who, you know, like there's art collectors who would never get tattooed, but you still want to participate you know in my Nico world. Hurtado? I do know that name. He did mine. Huh. And he's oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, he does Black all the realistic Anchor. stuff. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. He'd be a good he's guy great. to connect with too on he's this. Awesome. He's awesome. Yeah. He's, uh, I actually, when we were, you know, looking for different guests, I yeah. hit him up about you and he's like, yeah, he has good reputation. Yeah. You know, I don't know him well personally, yeah. but I think he could be another guy. Yeah. He's, his stuff's you, incredible. With yeah. what you're doing. Cause he's yeah. always thinking outside the box. Yeah. And no, and it's, I mean, in the tattoo world, it's kind of like, yeah, people, I mean, tattooers are generally not open to change. And, um, I think if there's any reason why I've been successful in this space, it's cause I'm, uh, yeah, like I'm excited about, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm excited to kind of push this culture forward, but yeah, you know, like that solves like the NFT. That's a pretty cool concept. Actually. I, I guess that sense, I get it. It makes yeah. sense. It's, it's almost, and it's also it like it cool. It's kind of exciting. I own this image and that's why. Totally. I mean, I've had, you know, it's like last year. You know, I, there was this like head of this big ad agency in Amsterdam that I tattooed a bunch, you know, he died and his sister reached out and was like, Hey, like, do you have any of the drawings from his tattoos? You know? Yeah. And I was, I was like going through my things, but it's like, Oh, if you had like archived, like authorized, like digital artworks of your tattoos, it's like, it's something your kids can inherit, you know, yeah. like it, it becomes assets and like those, those digital assets have real value. So, you know, the idea that my tattoo designs now have resale value. Like yeah. tattoos have resale value. That sentence alone, what the fuck? You know, like. <laughs> yeah, that's um, like, like I'm looking at what Gary V is selling and it's called brain vomit and it's these images. Right, right yeah. These are the images. How much? Um, well, I mean, I can't read the, the thing right, but it looks like if 0.254, does that mean 25 cents? No, it's probably 0.254 ETH. What does that mean? How much is well, that? Well, one ETH is right now. What like forty five four thousand so five hundred? You know, it's a ton of flowers, and it's called brain vomit. And he, I guess he collaborated with an artist, and this seems to be the route outside the tattoo world, right? That a lot of people are going. So help me understand this. So space. that's, I mean, I everybody does it different. You know, some people are doing like additions. You're like, okay, I'm going to do twenty of these. Some people that are unique. It's just like if you buy a print or anything. You know, like it's just like buying physical artwork that doesn't exist physically like it only exists digitally and there's only one of them you know or like however many like it's and it's all the, a lot of the currency is like bitcoin or ethereum or yeah ethereum mostly is everything yeah and do you own a lot in like bitcoin and ethereum a bit yeah i do how I, long have I, you been in that um i mean here and there you know like i bought one bitcoin ages ago just because i i was like oh like that's what international drug dealers are buying i want one of those right. you know like like it just sounded cool and right. illicit. So at least it's it's so interesting because it's it's it is what international drug dealers are doing totally, yeah. they're buying yeah it's like it's coins easy. yeah it's easy to like you know smoke yeah to they used like to buy travel gold and bars and yeah now exactly it's, now it's now it's bitcoin but yeah i remember hearing about it and like 2010 or 11 or something you know and like i was like oh i want one of those and i didn't even know you know it's like i bought it for like 300 bucks and uh but wow. yeah but now i now i like 
you know, I take it seriously as the world does. Yeah. And I mean, as you have kids and yeah, for sure. as you have to, uh, to, you, you don't need to worry about eating a burrito. You got to give a yeah. few more burritos and I got to worry about. And so how often are you actually spending the energy tattooing right now? Um, right now? I mean, I, I set aside like one day a week for tattooing and it's like friends and family and people I've tattooed before. But yeah, and a lot of, I mean, a lot of my energy right now is like working on designs and artwork that I'll put out as NFTs, you know, that are redeemable for tattoos. And, and yeah, I mean, it's really, you know, the NFT mechanism is a way that tattooers can finally sell, they sell what they do as fine artwork. As long as it's an original image. Is that right? Um, Yeah. I mean, I can't take Mickey Mouse and sell it, you know, as a design. Um, yeah, there's all sorts of copyright issues that could happen if for sure. Yeah, it's got to be pretty much clearly your own. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's, you know, I mean, tattooers are some of the most prolific artists out totally. there. You know, I mean, like even, you know, you walk into a street shop and there's kids who, you know, are drawing 10 original artworks a day. You know what I mean? Like cause somebody's like, oh, I want a heart with my grandma. Or I want like a, you know, forget me not flowers, but with this and that. And it's like, cool. You know what I mean? Like as draftsmen, tattooers are you know, usually have to be on their toes. I mean, now there's all different types of tattoo artists, but, but yeah, creating original artwork is, is not an issue. You know, like I, that's, have you been inclined to buy any NFTs? Uh, no, but I'm, I'm mind blown right now because I'm just like thinking like there is so much you can do with it. There is something that you you can make NFTs and you can also invest in them. There's, there's a lot you can do. Yeah. It's, it's a whole I mean, underworld it, right Like now. I look it's, at my kids and I'm like, this will, it, it sounds strange to us. This is the world they will live in. A yeah. thousand percent. Yeah. My brother told me about NFTs three months ago and he was like, he literally told me, he's like, Hey, why don't you like get, like take specific photos of yourself and do something with them to where like they're special one to you. And he's like, two, you have an audience that you can like potentially sell it to. Yeah. And I'm like, after. It's like, okay, bro, like I'm going right. to take pictures of myself. Or I'm going to do like a cool photo shoot. and I'm going to make it very artistic and like do some cool. And yeah. get out of here. But that's and what I mean. It's like, like we're in a moment where like, you know, those three letters, NFT, everybody's hearing it for the first time. And, and, but like the fact that it's an NFT, that doesn't make it valuable. You know I mean? It really is. It's like what it represents in the culture. But like, it still has to be a fucking cool idea. You know, and because it's, it's it is pretty even saturated right now with yeah. a lot of stuff that that doesn't connect. The you dots. could go to McDonald's and like dump out a carton of fries and make an NFT for every French fry in that bucket. It doesn't make those French fries special. You know what I mean? It's like, and if and do you find that's the challenge going on for a lot of people as they think, oh, I'm just going to get in into it, but then there's not enough of of a demand. No, I mean, I think it's very quickly you know, like it, the adoption rate of it is, is appropriate for the culture. You know, I, I think like, sure, maybe some people came out of the gates really aggressive and were like buying a bunch of NFTs just cause it was an NFT without really thinking about like, oh, is this person issuing them going to do cool stuff in the next 10 years that will make this thing more valuable? Um, you know, the same way you invest in artists. I mean, like, you know, obviously like you buy what you like, but you know, in investing in art, you're like, yeah, I'm buying this. Because I think this person is on a cultural path that will make hmm. this work worth more in 10 years, you know? And so with digital art, it's the same thing. Like NFT is just a mechanism that makes those images unique assets. And where yeah. do you find today this database of all these NFTs available? What is like the big sites right now? I mean, there's all, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's the 
the it's not the Amazon, digital world. Right? It's like Web three. You know what I mean? It's the okay. metaverse. There's, I mean, there's all kinds of like what is metaverse? Okay, I don't. I'm not a spokesperson for that. You know what I mean? Like I'm not that. But I, I just know. Like, I'm just saying. I mean, if anything, it's just I'm. I can I'm tell trying you, to understand it. Yeah, I can tell you, like as you know, a 45 year old guy trying to keep up with the whippersnappers. You know what I mean? Like what my impression of it, but I am not one to define that. That's a different sub person on your podcast. But um, hmm. you know, for me, like what's exciting for me is you know from my perspective as a tattooer we're watching we're in a moment where you know people have a physical presence and they have a digital presence and mm. you know with social media with instagram with all that stuff like you know we migrate a certain part of our self-esteem and our self-worth from the physical world to the digital world and i think you know when people talk about the metaverse and stuff it's like it's really just a shift and shift in emphasis from like how much of my awareness and time is spent in the physical world versus this digital universe. And what I want to do is like my, you know, for the past 25 years, I've been tattooing people in the physical world. I want to create a dynamic where they can carry their tattoos into the, whatever the digital version of yourself is, like your tattoos go with you there also. You know, so whatever avatar you're using in whatever application or video game, I want to be able to, I want to be able to like, give you a tattoo in the physical world and give you a digital version. So like your avatar in that game has the tattoo that you have in this world. Like, you know, what's in, in thinking about it too, there's this, you know, physical world, let's say physical basketball card. Like I have a yeah. lot of baseball cards and basketball cards and unopened packs. Yeah. But the reality is I look at them every 10 years, you know, there's this notion that because something's physical, that it is more precious because it's just how we could hold it in our physical hands. Right. But no, I there's people selling NFTs and you know, you have the option of like, you can have the physical one or the digital one for sure. The digital one has more value in a lot of contexts. Wow. Because of ease of transfer, like that painting behind you, there might be somebody who's worth it, you know, but it's like, cool, you got to find that guy. You got to box it up. You got to bubble wrap it. You got to ship it to him. You got to, but like digitally that transaction takes seconds. So like the back and forth and like those transactions define its value because that defines demand. And so you get like a more. So you're finding that NFTs are selling for more than the physical. Yeah. Wow. Totally. Um, so fascinating. Yeah. And especially as, you know, like our digital lives become more robust there's more opportunities to to display those artworks you know to people have the way to people like you know have their their crypto their nft wallets open so people can like see what you have you know what i mean like that the pride of ownership as soon as like the, there's a digital way to kind of to show people what you have and kind of like brag about it you know what i mean like then you know those assets will have more value and collectability yeah i've seen some people at their homes they'll have on a projector Totally, yeah. They're NFC. Or like a digital screen. or yeah. Right, 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 right. I mean, everybody makes their like, you know, like anybody who owns like one of the the board apes, you know, will change their profile pic to like the board ape that they own, you know. Yeah. It's a board ape. That's a whole other wormhole. <laughs> yeah. It's these like, it's these NFT monkeys that are selling for that lots are of selling money. like like yeah. crazy. Yeah. Right. Oh, I, yeah. Okay. I have seen those. Those are yeah. insane. But you're like, oh, They're those cool. weird monkey thing. Yeah. It's like a board ape. Yeah. Like it's like an unamused ape. <laughs> wow, yeah. that's pretty cool. There's definitely going to be some shocking NFTs and what it sells for. For sure. But then again, in the art world, there's shocking yeah. art that the sells shock for is the tens value of millions and it, yeah, of dollars. Yeah, totally. And it always has existed. Yeah. And it's just transferring that recipe and excitement and relevance and interest 
into the digital space because even again, if you owned it, uh, um, like I know this family, they own these huge Miracami balls. You know, there's, he did a yeah. exhibition. There's these huge balls that are just, I think they're so sick or millions of dollars. Right. Yeah. But you would never know they had them unless you went to their house. Yeah. And that is how it is for a lot of art, unless someone, and then social media came around and people may be showing it off or some people yeah. want no one to know that they yeah. have expensive art. But I think having the ability to invest or buy in things that you love or things that you believe are going to go up in value is, I guess, the same thing as investing in anything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I do think it has a different sentimental value when somebody gets the tattoo. Now, can they sell their NFT? So if someone buys, let's say it's a, one of the images yeah. is um, a branch. So they get the branch tattooed on them. Can they sell the branch to someone else? And if so, is NFT, from your understanding, right? do, I, and I could, be, I could be wrong on this, but I think where some people are making money too is every time it sells, yeah, I mean that's for artists it's really empowering because like right. you're every time it sells you you could you can do whatever you want. It's kind of standard for artists to get like 10 to 20, you know, 10% of resale is like a standard artist like royalty. So so every time that artwork sells and that's why, you know, even if you don't subscribe to the value of NFTs as of for digital artworks, NFTs as a certificate of authenticity for physical artworks is really exciting. So like, say, you know, the artist who says this painting, like the painting is the thing, but I'm going to give you an NFT to, that certifies that that's authentic. And so if you sell that painting, you have to trend, you have to sell them. The NFT has to go with it. And that NFT has a digital contract that automatically deposits 20% of that fee into the account of the original artist. artist. So in that way, it's really valuable. Because that artists. wasn't happening before, right? With no, art, no, because the galleries and right, auction the, houses controlled everything. That you know? is cool. And so the artists, like once they sold it the first time, have no participation yeah, in gone. the life of that artwork. Yeah. Especially in earlier in their career when they sold it for very low, totally, yeah. and the thing has scaled way so up. If you're, yeah. So even if you're, you're like, look, I don't believe in digital artwork. I only believe in physical artwork. As an artist, like using NFTs as your certificate of authenticity is really empowering and you can trace it and track it. And it, you know, it's a, it's, it's a lot safer for consumer and for the artist. Wow. That's, that's crazy. I wow. like that. Yeah. Makes me, I, I'm, I'm curious too, when Scott rolls out his NFTs, mm -hmm. now anyone can buy them or is there some sort of vetting process? No, anybody can buy them. Yeah. Me and you we fight. On top over, of we fight over the crow. <laughs> I can already see it. Like... Crow, <laughs> Tony. That's my crow. Know, right? But that's why. But that's what's interesting is like now there's secondary values for that. Like people could buy my tattoos as like scalpers, you know, and be like, oh, I'm buying it because like I can get this Scott Campbell tattoo for five grand, but I know some dude in Hong Kong that'll pay twenty grand for it, you know, and like so that that I'm like and like cool, you know, like I want I want it to have secondary market value. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so it's. Yeah, it's a whole new world. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I think we should like. <laughs> We're gonna have shop, like. A, yeah. You know, it's. We should go shopping online. But yeah. the pressure's on me, you know, because it's like, like I said, like, just the concept of an NFT isn't the thing. I still have to do fucking cool drawings. Yeah. Or else it's worth nothing, you know. And so yeah, so it's. I not, have no doubt in that. I'm gonna try. You know what I mean? Like I'm gonna do it. My. But then once you release it, then there has to be. 
figuring out a plan so there's high demand, right? Because don't the prices go up through auction based upon demand? I mean, everybody, you know, every artist markets in their own way. You know, that's up for me to decide, like, scarcity. You know what I mean? Like, is it going to be one of a kind? Is it going to be three of a kind? You know, like, like it's up to me to kind of, you know, not create too many of them so that it dilutes the value. And are you going like, to do physical? No, you aren't. The physical piece is going to be the tattoo. You're not going to actually do. No, nah, yeah. So I was thinking, if oh, if you did a show. Then yeah. it becomes a whole thing, right? But then yeah, but it's I like, think it's. I mean, yeah, I'll do a show in a digital gallery somewhere that anybody in the world can log on to and see. You know, I mean, the whole the whole exciting part is that like I'm creating artworks for people's digital lives as well as their physical. It's lives. such a more uh, financially gainful position for an artist because even the show, you know, the amount that you're giving away, the time, yeah. the energy, the hanging. The, but that's what I mean. But even with you know, and it used to be you know, galleries were the gatekeepers because the only way to discover a new artist was to go into an out, a gallery that you trust and be like, oh, look, here's who they're at. But now there's like Instagram, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like artists have direct access to their audiences, which is new, you know? And so it, it definitely disempowers the, the gatekeepers a bit, you know, it democratizes it, which is a good thing. Well, I know it wasn't your intent intention coming here to probably talk about nfts the whole time or to convince no, us I otherwise yeah, yeah. but i am more convinced of what you're describing now because it makes sense a person just has to change their perception around value but, but the art world in general if you've ever dug into it it's always been demand excitement relevance connection importance yeah um timing you know, state of affairs. Yeah. Culture. It's, it's the thing, yeah. I mean, that's what I mean. Like it's like uh, emotional connection and cultural relevance is the value of any artwork. You yeah. Know what I mean? And like, of any fashion. Yeah, totally. It's, so it's of why, why does a certain pair of shoes that costs the same to make as another pair of shoes yeah. cost 20 times the other pair? Yeah. And as, as, as the more time, like the more our emotions are affected and invested in things in the digital world and social media, then the more digital assets can have value, you know, because it's, that's where I think what is. I would sell, I don't think it'd be a wizard. It would be like, a, it would be different slogans yeah. that I came up with that are like, yeah. that I've basically created and even searched to make sure no one else has had that because right. thoughts they say are just redundant, right? We just right. keep copying ideas and in my profession as a, a coach and someone who helps people at times it, it is very saturated and that's also well how do you say something in your own way that wouldn't be considered plagiarism right or i copy? mean that's like a lot of you know like my whole career you know what i mean like it's it's you know, but my I've NFT, I've to, sorry, sorry. Go yeah, ahead, no, yeah. but my NFT would be words. Yeah, but that's what I mean, like, because that's that's your way of like communicating and connecting emotional and dilemmas that are timeless. You know, so like for it's same thing, like with tattooing, like I've tattooed thousands of people who emotionally were going through the exact, you know, falling in love, like missing someone who passed away, like all that. You know, what I mean, like like the emotions that push people to get tattooed are like you know, usually fit into like five categories. I mean, like it's this feeling, it's this feeling, this figure, this thing. But like the way they illustrate that emotion is unique to each person, you know? So it's kind of the same thing where you're talking about like, you know, like the, the feelings are timeless throughout history. You know what I mean? It's like the same emotions that like, 
you know, Shakespeare wrote about, you know, some little hipster kid will walk into the tattoo shop and get, but it's like, okay, this is her way of illustrating that, you know, or like whatever way she connects to it. Anyway, yeah, but in your words, you know, just saying like, like, yeah, like your interpretation of that, you're kind of translating that for people, you know, is for this moment and for your perspective. Yeah. Right. And, and, and in your own way, I mean, in a sense, you know, I, I believe we're all artists and yeah. how we express, communicate, you know, and some paint, some design, some, some are like, you know, performance artists or they're incredible, even actors. That's, that's the art of playing a role or what have you. And I think we all have it. We all have the ability and it's limiting to ourselves to not think that there wouldn't be some interest or collaboration or demand of some sort, not to say everyone is going to release something and there's value, but there's no harm in doing it. If you want to put something out there and you want to make something timeless or have something to have a bit of a legacy to it, and there's a way to authenticate it. So it's not just something that is in your photo reel. Yeah or that just disappears over yeah. time. I think um, clearly guys like you who have done so many creative collaborations in fashion and tattooing and art and what have you, I think guys like you help us understand better because I think when people are in the arts and they're artists in a where they've created something that we understand as a consumer, as art, as a physical art. Oh, I can create this. Oh, I can tattoo this. Those people, I think, are better spokespeople for NFTs, right. for guys like me and others, because you can explain it in such a way where we don't feel like you're just trying to sell us Oh yeah, no. on, <laughs> on an investment. Yeah. Right. And, and it's helpful. So my hope is that more guys like you are voices for this type of work because it's, it is really helpful and it does educate us a lot. I know for me, I have a different connection to it because I can understand it because I don't, you're not a banker or an athlete. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just selling me. A I'm not, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not like a crypto guy. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I, I fell into it and I'm excited about it because it solves problems that I've had for a long time. You know what I mean? Like it, 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 it yeah. It like, it and, and it makes it for somebody to um, cherish yeah. and have value and meaning. Yeah. But people always talk things. about, people always talk about tattoos and they like, you know, immediately think of the word permanent, but it's like, you know, I've worked in a lot of different mediums and, tattoos are definitely the most ephemeral medium I work in because tattoos go and get sunburned and hit by a bus and like, you know, like, um, whereas, you know, paintings and drawings will like hang in a museum forever, you know? And so it's, it's, uh, yeah. Like having an archival version of tattoos is, is interesting. You know, yeah, like it's, yeah it kind of honors what I, what I make even more. Well, thank you for coming out and meeting with us today. Yeah, and for sure. Coming on, always evolving. We need to look out for these NFTs. Where so scottcampbell.com is it or um what is it? Yeah, I mean Scott Campbell Studios. I mean, my Instagram is just at Scott Campbell, and that's kind of where we announce all the new stuff. But yeah. I'm so excited to see these. I think with the release date on my Instagram, I'm gonna be like 
It's NFT hour. <laughs> Look what we have as options. Scott Campbell came out with his NFTs. I feel like it should almost have like a supermarket sweet vibe, you know, like get yeah. into character with it. Or, you know, or it could be very Wall Street-y, you know, like it's the floors have opened, you <laughs> like know. Bye, bye, bye. But yeah. I'm going to do that once it comes out. So everyone follow Scott Campbell. Thanks, Tony, for connecting with us today. And until next time, keep it magical. This has been a Stage 29 podcast production. The podcast is executive produced by Patty Chiano, Laferne Cusack, and Stephanie Kaysen. Our audio editors are Jackson Ruff and Jonathan DeMatty. Callie Kelts is the social media producer. And a special thanks to the rest of our podcast crew, Rwani Horinige, William Cusack, Lisa Clark, Katie Brown, and Morgan Kaler. The Always Evolving with Coach Mike Bear podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional, medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during this podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professionals.